Biscuit. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Angel. And this is our twice monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. And we're all explorers together. We're exploring together. We're making mistakes together. We're succeeding together. We're flying off the rails together. And we're just trying to figure out what the hell's going on what together. Is life? What is life? What is it all about? What is life? Well, it is a simulation. Oh, yeah. Continue. Of an experience that our bodies are having with our hearts. What is it a simulation of? Um, like a cartoon. <laughs> it's a simulation of a divine intelligence's desire to experience itself in infinite forms all at once, interacting with itself. Why do you think it wants such a thing? Because it's lonely. <laughs> Where is it? Where is what? The divine intelligence. Well, it's in you. And it's in me. and Then why is it lonely if it's already in me and in you? Well, no, it's not lonely anymore, but it was lonely, which is why it separated itself into a gajillion pieces, and now we all interact with ourselves. Well, I bet it's having some regrets. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? Do you have any regrets? Oh, honey. We don't have enough time. We could call this the spiritual gaze regrets hour. Do you think people who say um, that they live a life with no regrets are lying to themselves? Or do you think it's possible to just live a life with no regrets? Honestly, if I'm being totally yeah. spill the tea, I have very few regrets, actually. So there you go. So I think that's true. Yeah. What's your So what is one of your regrets you still have? I regret that when I was a teenager, my best friend Nick and I were hanging out in front of the local Rite Aid and these two cute boys started chatting with us and they invited us back to their house to like hang out in a way that I didn't realize was sexual at the time. But after they'd already gotten in their car and drove away, Nick and I realized it was sexual and I regret not going home with them. Why? Because it would have been fun. They were hot. <laughs> You were and um, you were making up for it in all of your late teens and early twenties. No, not until my mid twenties did I really make up for it. I was a very prudish, repressed little person until I basically graduated from college, and then I made up for it in a very short time. Yeah, you got a, f a good um, a few years there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, slutting it up and down the streets. <laughs> Loving every second of it. What were some of your regrets when you meditated on that question? I don't know if I even have fully meditated on that question because I was just listening. Um, but, huh. Yeah, I've never really meditated even just on that question in general. Like, do I have any regrets? Because I think I am one of those people who's like, I live a life of no regrets. And I don't know if I have any I guess occasionally, it's not so much a regret, but I do sometimes wonder what would have happened if I had stayed in New York. Hmm. So it's not so much a regret because I don't necessarily regret leaving New York when I did, but it's definitely like a sliding doors moment where I wish I could like just get a sense of how that would have played out if I'd stayed. Yeah, no, I understand that. 
I guess I regret not living there longer than I did. Yeah. Yeah, I think I could like pull out some regrets, but it's hard for me to fully consider them regrets because they led me to things that I don't regret. And so if right. you unravel one thread, you you lose the whole timeline. Exactly. So like I also wonder sometimes what would have happened if I like didn't go to USC for theater and playwriting, but went to like Boston Conservatory for like a BFA in musical theater and like probably would have moved to New York. Would I have met you? Right. Would we still have found each other? Right. Who knows? Would we be the spiritual gaze in New York or yeah. would we be divorced alcoholics <laughs> living in debt? I don't think so. Well, that's good to know. But we'd maybe li- we'd maybe be living like upstate. Would we have Tonys? I don't know. <laughs> we live in LA and we don't have Emmys. That's true. <laughs> but Theater is much more of like a direct path in New York. So maybe. I guess that's partially it that I regret leaving theater as quickly as I did. But I have no regrets about not living in New York. No offense to those of you that do. I know those of you that do love it. Can't get enough of it. Consider it one of the best cities in the world. And it is one of the best cities in the world. It's just not a city for me. Yeah. And my fragile nervous system which is just holding on right now because I had an afternoon coffee, which is a terrible idea. But it got me to this place. So you're all welcome because you're getting a really exciting version of me before I collapse into a pile of tears and grief and exhaustion and force Angel to rub my shoulders. Yeah, that's what I get left with. hey <laughs> Apologies in <laughs> advance. Uh, who are we? Girl... You, moon. That's who I am today. That's my name. No, what is your name? My name is Brandon Alter. I am a queer spirit healer, a tarot reader, an astrologer, a teacher, a performer, and a caffeine addict. (laughs) (laughs) And who are you? I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer. I am a film producer. I am a astrologer and a teacher of metaphysical things and a lover of the world. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. I've been meditating a lot on my grief recently. And by meditating, I mean I've been writing about it. I've been using threads. I'm on threads, everybody. I'm in a threads era. Join me there. And because it doesn't matter and it's new and it feels like a safe space and who knows if it'll even last longer than the summer, I'm using it as like a place to just kind of like hold myself accountable for some of my musings on grief and just like posting things that I've been like keeping hidden in my notes app, but also like generating some new things. And I was realizing that grief is obviously many things and there are many different types of grief and everybody experiences it differently. But for me, it has allowed me to be found by the world in a way that I wasn't accessible to the world before losing my mom and losing Noche. And I think that's really beautiful. Like that's a gift, even though I don't always love being somebody who's now like openly crying in restaurants or on the streets or, I mean, obviously in a movie. Uh, But I do feel like I am more of a participant in the world having lost something than I was before. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel that way? 
Um, I mean, you've always been very emotionally accessible. So maybe yeah. <laughs> you were like, honey, I'm a cancer moon. The world has always found me. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just, yeah, I have um, always uh, cried on street corners um, or store and stores. Uh, but I... Uh, you've cried on stores? On stores. you just like smeared your tears on their walls and... No, but it might be on rooftops, actually. Yeah. I might have been on a rooftop of a store and cried in San Francisco. Um, but, um, but I understand what you mean by just like, uh, you feel like you've, uh, entered a deeper layer of existence when you go through a major loss. Yeah. I just have like an expanded capacity for empathy, I think, or maybe it's just like a deeper sensitivity, but I am more attuned to the tenderness of all living beings in a way that I wasn't before. Like whether that's like a bug or just like a cranky lady in front of me at the pharmacy, I'm just like more emotionally available to what they might be experiencing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, oftentimes it makes me so sad. It like, it like keeps breaking my heart. But like in a beautiful way. Yeah. Well, that's life, right? <laughs> it's just like existing. Opens your heart in joyful ways, but it also like continually breaks your heart too. Just ex experientially. I feel like that's just like the human existence. Yeah. But as you get older, I think you become more attuned to the spectrum of it and the deeper feelings that come with it. This conversation is really killing my caffeine high. <laughs> Brought this up in the first place. You did. Fuck me. Jesus. <laughs> Duplicitous Aquarius. Uh, but I think you're right. I think you're totally right. And that's how we get to like share more deeply with each other. Yeah. Is by like getting out from behind our like comfortable cool and getting real. Yeah. I actually think we're about to enter into like a whole era of getting real. You mean like collectively? I think the nodal shift is about like, can we get real with each other? Like, can we challenge ourselves to really speak about what's going on? Or are we just going to like continue to placate each other? That's later. That's the deep dive. But that is <laughs> yeah. what I'm starting to kind of feel into. All right. Well, tease on the themes of where we're going because we are going to deep dive into the second half of 2023 and the astrology that is at play because there. honey there's so much still to come mm -hmm. and it's different it's like a different flavor it literally is an act too yeah for our housewives attuned people it's like that moment in the season where they're like still to come this season on the real housewives of xyz and then you get like a whole other, you're like, oh my God, they're going to Portugal? Like you just have no real clue. That's essentially what we're going to give you all today is the mid-season trailer for the rest of the year. Except unlike some of those mid-season trailers, we are not going to play clips that then you will never actually see. No. Which is so oh, right. rude, right? When they like play a clip and you're like, oh my God, when does that moment happen? And yeah. then that moment never happens. You're like, when the hell is she going to say that? She never does. She never did. But we will be going on trips. At least we will. Not to Portugal, honey. 
No, we're not going to Portugal, but we are going to Mexico. We are going to Mexico. Should we do a spiritual gaze meetup in Mexico City? I don't know. Do we have any listeners in Mexico City? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't know if we do. Nadie. <laughs> you know what? If you live in Mexico City and you listen to us, please send us an email at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com or DM us because we would just love to know and we'd certainly love to get any insights into places we should visit and things we should eat. No emails coming in. <laughs> Nadie escucha. Well, we're going to the Czech Republic because a lot of people, or at least we always are rated uh, well on the Czech Republic. Oh, iTunes. really? Oh, wow. Finland. One of my homelands. Well, we should go. Okay. New Zealand. Oh, darling. You know it. Jackie Brown. Hello, darling. I love <laughs> yes. you. I'm thinking of you, you gorgeous <laughs> creature. And I just want you to know someday we're going to get out there. We are 2028. Oh, yeah. 2028, we're coming, we're doing a tour down under. We're doing a down under. I mean, the spiritual gaze might not exist in 2028, but we will. We will, I hope. I mean, here's hoping. Yeah. We want to go to Australia and, of course, New Zealand. Yeah. Because that's where the big solar eclipse of 2028 is coming. Yeah, it's going to It's going to uh, have a full uh, showing down there Yeah, in 2028. We really are off the rails today. Should we check in? Oh, I feel like we're right in. Oh, okay. We're right. We're in. We're in between the rails. Well, we've just been having a very honest conversation. Oh, I've been lying this whole time. <laughs> well, it doesn't differ much from our entire marriage. Correct. <laughs> how are you? What's going on with you? Tell me how you're feeling. Oh, I don't think y'all really want to hear about my feelings. People love to hear about your feelings. Well, people I are obsessed <laughs> with your feelings. No, no one is obsessed with my feelings. Um, I'm obsessed with your feelings. No, that's sweet. You know, I could take this a number of ways, and there's lots of things going on right in our lives and our world. I am. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take this track. I have been uh, finally getting to. Uh, She's part, getting her body back. Yeah, I'm taking part in some physical therapy finally. And it has been a wonderful few weeks. My physical therapist, who I found thanks to our lovely friend Phoebe. Shout outs to Phoebes. We miss you already. Um, but um, but yeah, I have been uh, just kind of in that space of physical healing. And it's been so lovely. Like I really missed uh, just like working my body out, but it's also incredibly painful. Like you have to get, go through these like intense, like, I mean, they're essentially massages, but they're like the most painful massages you've ever had. Like literally just like jamming f like a hard palm into my spine. Um, it's on. been crazy. <laughs> Say more about that. Yeah. He just like presses like firmly, oh. like, deeply, like oh. into my like lower back. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. And then like into like my butt. Oh. Do you like make sound when this is happening? Yeah, of course I do. Because it hurts. Yeah. No, I get it. But it hurts so good. I remember when I was getting a lot of massages right after my mom died. And finally, like right before I got on the table... He was like, do you have anything you want to tell me? And I was like, yeah, I am just like going to tell you right now that I'm giving myself permission to like make a lot of sound during today's massage <laughs> because that feels like something I need to do. And he was like, okay, sounds good to me. Because I, you know, 
What are you supposed to do? Just like grit your teeth and like not make sound? Yeah, no. You have to make sound. Yeah, you gotta make sound. And I laugh a lot of the time because it's just as like so ridiculous. Yeah. Like the feelings that are coming through. No, that's good too. Um, which then makes him laugh. And so it's all like. And you're you just know, laughing together. We're just laughing. Laughing with agony. Laughing <laughs> <laughs> with pain. Um, but yeah, it has been nice. And I'm feeling really grateful that I'm getting to like engage again in some physical well-being. I do really feel like my body ran away with me and um where did it take you you know it took me to some dark places it took me to some um i think like addictive places with certain types of like chips and alcoholic beverages did it kidnap you (laughs) it did wow and i woke up and i was like oh my god I can jimmy this trunk and I did and now I'm like back out in the open um so yeah so here we are uh, moving through a healing journey I'm in a journey of healing well you had shared with me and I'm going to share it with all the 12 people that listen to this podcast that you really thought this was an opportunity for you to create the foundation for your health and your wellness that you would like live into for like the next chapter of your life, mm-hmm. which I think is so beautiful because you're 46 years old and you spend like these next four years, like getting into like the best physical, mental and emotional shape of your life so that you can like really enjoy the next, however many decades you have on this planet. Right. I mean, that's a ideal, but I do think like, life- no, and so it is. <laughs> And so it is. Yeah, no, that's the ideal plan. But, you know, it just gets challenging because it's happening. The more you continue to live, the more things uh, get thrown at you with life. So I'm just, yeah, having to steal myself uh, on emotional levels, mental levels to get into it. But, yeah, I definitely am like trying my best to just like lean into healing on all levels because ultimately, like, I don't want to leave this existence not having been an expression of my ultimate authentic self and whether anyone else likes that expression or not is beginning to uh, seem like less and less of something that matters to me yeah I was getting a facial today and my mm-hmm. facialist, Joni, whom you know, and we love. both love. Joni's this like amazing, she's a witch of sorts. For sure. In her 60s. And she was telling me how her favorite decade was her 40s. She was like, I just like feel like in my 40s, I really like knew who I was. I stopped caring about what other people think. And I was like, that sounds good, Joni. I was like, I think I'm going to like my 40s. And she was like, yeah. She was like, doesn't Angel like his 40s? And I was like, I think his 50s are going to be your 40s. (laughs) Because I think that's like the preparation, you know? Right. I think by the time you turn 50, you will give a lot less fucks about what other people think because you will have already been practicing that in your late 40s. And you will also feel more rooted in who you are. I can see that. I mean, I definitely think as of now, my 40s have been pretty great um my 30s were pretty great though actually it was the 20s that were terrible well that's for everybody unless you're like a model yeah and even if you're a model it's probably terrible in hindsight too who knows i've not never been a model yeah 
they probably all like, actually, no, it's amazing. <laughs> Maybe they <laughs> are. just travel the world and get free shit, and everyone just like wants loves to, you. Everybody wants to everyone fuck wants you. To kiss you. That sounds terrible, actually. Do you want to like be in a world where everybody wants to have sex with you? Yeah, I'm a tourist rising. Oh, all right. <laughs> There's this oat milk we found. And it's like a cashew oat milk that has like lavender in it. And well, it's it cashew is, oat. It's a it's a coat milk mm-hmm. and oshu milk with lavender, which is my favorite of all the botanicals. And it just I think I almost had that second coffee today just because I wanted more of that frothy lavender milk. Well, you could just put it like in a chamomile tea. It's not the same though. I mean, I also like needed the the boost because right. I had a lot of errands to run and you know, I, I use caffeine sometimes like other people use Zoloft. I think you use caffeine sometimes like most people use caffeine. Oh, <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> I mean, I think most people like having li- worked in like corporate culture, like most people are having like a coffee in the middle of the day. No, I know. Most people are like abusing coffee in ways that like boggle my mind. Like I have a friend who like gets like three to like five shots like in their first coffee beverage of the day and then like proceeds to have more coffee beverages throughout the day. Yeah. Like my adrenals couldn't handle that. My nervous system couldn't handle that. Like one coffee is more than enough for me. But today, because I'm living on the edge, maybe it was that Taurus moon. I just needed the comfort. Maybe. Yeah. Do yeah. you is my check-in more? today? Is my yeah. check-in today just about caffeine? You know, my grief has me reaching for things for all sorts of things. Um, you know, I'm in recovery around marijuana, so I can't reach for that. I'm reaching for some alcohol. I'm reaching for mostly retail. My grief loves bags, jewelry, just really accessories. I'm like in an accessories era. Um, and I guess it's also reaching for caffeine. I'm just reaching for things that give me like the immediate feel good, but that don't actually sustain me because as I explored in therapy today, mm-hmm. Before my mom died, and definitely before Noche died, being alone with myself was a pretty easy thing to do. But now being alone with myself is a little haunted because I just have so much pain and so much sadness and anxiety. And I'm not afraid of dying, but I am afraid of like illness and disease and suffering. And so I find myself, when I am alone with myself, reaching for things to distract me from myself. So I'm like using social media a lot more than I usually am. I'm like scrolling Etsy for whatever I can find. And that is just my awareness of how I'm moving through grief. And I'm trying to like be gentle and understanding with myself because I am still very much like in an acute grief stage, especially like around Noche. Um, But I'm also trying to like do better and not just like frivolously you know, buy things that make me feel better in the moment because weeks later when I have to pay off the credit card, the anxiety shoots me through the roof. (laughs) Right. But also sometimes you just need a little treat, you know? Sometimes you just like need a little positive reinforcement to help you do the things that you know are good for you. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that like I had to run a bunch of errands and record this podcast and I was feeling a little raw and vulnerable post-therapy and... There was the Nespresso machine, (laughs) and there was that lavender oat cashew milk. It is very good. And there I was. But that's that's kind of like my basic emotional state. I will just share, because I think our gazers will really appreciate it, that Angel did something really amazing. 
And there was this purse that I was very obsessed with being sold on the real real. It was in the shape of a bunny, a little <laughs> magic bunny purse. And we've been very obsessed with the bunnies around our house, especially since we don't have Noche to give all of our love to. We just like stand at the window and just like look at the bunnies because there are a bunch of them. And so for whatever reason, I was just like very obsessed. My grief really wanted this bunny purse. And I was like literally waking up in the morning and checking the real reel to like see if it had sold because I just like couldn't quite spend the money that was required to acquire this purse. And I also was like afraid that somebody else was going to get it. And then last weekend I woke up and it was gone. And it's a very specific purse. So I was like, who fucking bought this out from under me before I was ready to give it to <laughs> myself? And I spiraled out of control for a complete week, trying to find it, trying to find anyone else that was selling it. I couldn't find it, trying to find like, uh, you know, not even second, but like third or like fourth best replacement that like wasn't even close to it, but like close enough. Even long story short, Angel was that bitch who bought that purse out from under me so that he could gift it to me. And it made me cry. And it was very sweet. So Angel's a really good human. <laughs> and sometimes buying your way to happiness is an effective means of being in the world. It is. And I was so happy to do it. It brought me such joy. I mean, it brought me a lot of anxiety navigating the week lead in between purchasing it and it arriving because you were spiraling out of control. I was and I had to keep you from buying numerous things that were nowhere near as good. Or like really what I wanted, but yeah, you know, when you can't be with the one you love, you love, love the, the one, one you're with. with. <laughs> uh, okay, noted. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, very exciting to get to gift that. To you. So if you see me out in the world with my bunny purse, she's magic. She'll grant you a wish. Come up and say mm -hmm. hi. I love that. Rachel. Rachel. Rachel, the magical bunny purse. Oh. So we've got a lot of astrology for you coming up in this episode. And it's been very astrology heavy. I'm well aware of that because of our astrology series. And this is not exclusively an astrology podcast, okay? No, it's not. And we're going to bring in more tarot and more magic and more animism and more spirituality. But more spirit talks. More spirit talks. I'm sure you're tired of just listening to the two of us talk. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not. But there's just going to be a little bit more astrology because you need to know. You need to have the information to ride these cosmic waves. But... Before we get into all that, yes. let's have ourselves a little dose of reality. reality. Was that you slurping up a little microdose? No, it was me slurping some reality. Tea. Oh, with a little bit of lavender milk? Mm, nope, because it's all gone. No, it's not all gone yet. Yeah, it is. I finished it. <gasps> I'm just kidding. You motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just joking. Don't you do that to wow. me. Wow, see? See, what, see what's happening over here? All right. Where do you want to begin? Uh, you know what? Let's begin somewhere really controversial. Mm-hmm. A place that's going to bring out the worst in us. Mm. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. So I think we are literally being brainwashed to try to make Candy Muse happen. And Candy <laughs> Muse is not going to happen. She shouldn't happen. Stop trying to make Candy Muse happen. Wake up, everybody. Wake up. I think there are people out there who love them some Candy Muse. You may be listening. You might be like, oh, my God, are they about to hate on Candy Muse? But you know what? 
I am. I am shocked and appalled that she has been in the top two of this All-Stars. Not so much because uh, of her attitude, which I don't really love, but more so because of the fashions. Like, the runway looks have all basically been a body the suit. same. It's a bodysuit. Yeah, they've all been the same. And I understand, like, knowing your aesthetic, knowing, you know, what you feel good in or having a look, you know, um, like a... A, a silhouette. Look. A yeah. silhouette where you feel your best. And and something that, you know, you feel is really, like, iconic for, you know, the character that you portray. Overused word, by the way. Not everything is iconic. If totally. everything were iconic, then it would no longer be iconic. Agreed. But I do think that to really be, like, at the top of the game, you need to be able to transform yourself um, that's like a huge part of drag. Yeah, I think you also need to be able to apply blush in the appropriate place. But, you know, she has given some good performances. She, she was really good in that, like, Joan Crawford Yeah, musical. she was great in that, and she does do some funny uh, performances. But I just think that she has not been strong enough to merit being in the top two. I also think she's a mean girl and a bully and her heart doesn't win me over. And when I fall in love with a drag queen, usually it's because I have fallen in love with their heart. Yes. Agreed. Same. So, you know, I am not going to uh, apply any hate towards her. It's really, again, just like I'm stunned. So, yeah, I don't want to like apply a bunch of hate to Candy Muse um, no, I, we'll save that for Alexis and Michelle. No, no. I mean, I can't hate any of them like at the end of the day because they're all like talented and they're all doing something I could certainly never do. Um, but I do ultimately just think from a competition standpoint, it's a little surprising and kind of just like a bit of a bummer. And I actually didn't even watch the last episode because <laughs> it had been spoiled for me. What was going to happen? I was like, I don't even need to watch it because I'm good. So... I'll watch the next episode because all the other queens are coming back. But um, yeah, that's kind of where I stand with the all-stars. Maybe I'm like hitting a saturation point too, to some degree. So who knows? But then you would think I'd be hitting a saturation point with the Real Housewives. I am. I guess I am too, to some degree also. (laughs) Which is actually why I think something like Crappy Lake with Luann and Sonia is so refreshing because it's giving us what we love about the housewives, but it's putting it in a slightly different context. So it's kind of revitalizing it. Yeah. And maybe that's the future. Maybe like some of our favorite housewives end up getting these like little spinoffs that are, you know, a little bit more specific and that just like deliver more of what we want, which is just like fun and laughs and fashion and foolishness. Yeah, because even like the ultimate girls trips kind of just like spiral you deeper into all the like faux drama of those little worlds. And that's not as fun to me. Agreed. So, yeah, I think if like we're coming from like a reality standpoint, um, the thing I'm most excited about watching in that realm these days, 
is of course now crappy lake but also project runway project runway y'all is so good this season it's an all-star season so they've Mm -hmm. brought back only people that have competed in the past and that went pretty far yeah and it is fierce competition so good yeah it's so good the lukes are amazing and just seeing some of the competitors who were there season one yeah season one two it's just been so amazing to watch them come back and remind us of who they were and their aesthetic then and how it's evolved um and then it's been nice too because there were some i definitely missed the carly Kloss years of project runway um so there were like three or four seasons that I didn't watch. So getting to watch those people has been really great. Um, also, it was really fun. Our uh, friend and past podcast guest, Lena Waith, uh, was a guest judge recently. And we didn't know. It was yeah. just like a surprise. Yeah, it was so great to like see her just like pop up on the screen. Looking fierce. Looking so fierce. Very Project Runway mode. I know. It was funny because I was like thinking of her that day and I was like, I really need to call Lena because I'm sad and I could like use a pep talk. And then she just showed up on my TV and I was like, you know what? I'm fine, actually. I just like needed, I just needed that and I feel okay. Well, then we just did like a pep group text around it. Um, But yeah, so if you aren't watching Project Runway and haven't in a while, I highly recommend this being a great season to dive into it. Yeah. Less Candy Muse more real fashion yes all right let's head into this episode's deep So we just had our workshop last night for part two of the astrology of 2023. And we just felt like even if you didn't participate in the workshop, it's okay. Shout outs to those who did. It was great seeing you. We're not mad about it. We forgive you. You're our favorite. We will cover some of the astrology of 2023 yet to come. Yeah. Because it's important. And there are some big tonal shifts. And this is what you came here for. Maybe. Maybe you came this here to you hear came us. for. Rage against Candy Muse. Lightning strikes every time she moves. Remember that song? Kind of. And he's looking like you. Oh, right. Who sings that? Rihanna. Oh. Good for her. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there are some headlines of the next six months of astrology. One being the nodal shift that Brandon mentioned earlier. But I think we probably would want to start with the Venus story. Go, honey. Go on a journey with Venus and tell us what you discover. What is the Venus story, everyone? Well, Venus is a place of beauty. She was a poor black girl in the Brewster Projects. That was RuPaul. Who became a global phenomenon. (laughs) And then fell in love with a cowboy who allowed her to frack this precious planet we call home. This sounds more like a Persephone story than a Venus story. But isn't Persephone <laughs> kind a of Venus? like Venus? Yeah, the Venus of the a, underworld? Isn't she a type of Venus? For sure. Isn't she Venus underground? Aren't we all a Venus? No, some of us are a Mars. <laughs> but some of, our, some of those Mars people have Venus moments. That's true. Even Mercury 
and have a Venus moment. Yeah. Would you consider yourself more a Mars or more a Venus? I mean, you're kind of more a Mars. Well, but who's very Venusian? Because my Mars and Venus are conjunct. Yeah, but, but it's you're in more of a Aries, Mars. So Mars is definitely more intense. Yeah, I'm more of a Venus. It's true. You are. That's why we're a good combination. <laughs> exactly. Stay spicy. Uh, Combative, but playfully so. <laughs> Most of the time. Um, but yeah, so Venus is in Leo. And Venus is going to be spending her time in Leo all the way into October. And that is because we are going to have a Venus retrograde this year. Now, the Venus story actually started uh, on June 19th because that is when Venus entered her shadow phase at 12 degrees of Leo and actually will be going retrograde on July 22nd. So we'll then have the Venus uh, retrograde from July 22nd through September 3rd when uh, Venus stations direct at 12 degrees of Leo. But then we'll take about a month until October 7th to clear the shadow phase and return back to that 28 degrees. And really, until she like jumps into Virgo and has a whole new outfit. It's basically more of the same. Yeah. And Venus will enter Virgo right after that on the eighth. Yeah. So Venus is that planet that is very much connected to relationships. You know, it can be known as the planet of love, but you know, it really is our relationship style, how we connect. Uh, It's also very related to art beauty, romance, and also money, you know, because it's very connected to value and what we value, what we apply value to. And obviously money is then like a form of that. So what are we giving our money toward? Venus can really help give us some idea of that. Yeah. Or any of our resources, not just money, but also attention Mm -hmm. and time. Yeah. So just generally speaking, when Venus moves through Leo, she really wants to connect from the heart because Leo rules the heart. And it's usually a very optimistic, inspiring, creative time. You know, Leo is a very inspiring sign, wants to ignite a fire of passion in in people. And, you know, the high vibe of Leo is to inspire others to be their best. And so really when you have a Venus in Leo, obviously everyone can like easily tap into that low vibe expression, which is like, hey, this is about me. This is about me. But if we can aspire toward the higher vibration, it's like ultimately everyone like leading with their heart, living from their heart's path so that they're inspiring others to do the same. Now, when we have a retrograde with Venus involved, I really like the word reconnect as like the big sort of crux of it. It's a time to really reconnect to our heart's passions, to reconnect to what we value, to reconnect with, you know, the art, the beauty that moves us. And so just know that these next few months offer that opportunity for you to 
reconnect to yourself in ways that allow you to really let your heart shine forward and give your heart something to connect to. Yeah, I really like the idea of reconnection. And I think first and foremost, we have to reconnect to our own passion and make sure that the people, the projects, the things that we engage with are actually things that we still give a shit about. Yeah. And sometimes with Venus Retrograde too, I think there's like a redistribution of those resources that we were talking about and you're like shifting things. Like you have all the ingredients, it's just that the recipe has to change. Right. And Leo can be an ego-driven sign. Can be a little dramatic. (laughs) Yeah, but with that ego, it really um, will hold on to the passion even after the flame has gone out. So to what you were just saying, I think this retrograde time is your chance to fully make sure and also adjust because you might be like, yeah, I do want to pursue this, but maybe not for the reason I did before. You know, like for myself, I'm just even thinking about like writing and I've been, you know, I was like so aggressively excited and interested in television writing, like really focusing on that, getting into it. I was working on multiple projects really, really pointedly, really excitedly. And I just kind of hit a wall um, and have been on like a full hiatus from that whole process for myself. Venus underground. Yeah, fully Venus underground. And I think where I'm starting to find myself is this place of like, oh, I miss writing. Like I love to write. I am a writer. And um, and I miss like screenwriting. You know, I miss writing with that imagery. And now beginning to slowly re-engage with that process, but from a different place is yeah. I think what's going to help me really see what it is I want to create and why. Yeah. Well, can I offer that Leo requires an audience? Mm-hmm. Like if there isn't an audience, there really can't be the fullness of a performer. And so with Venus in Leo, I think we are reconnecting to what is the right audience for us. Yeah. Right? For our offerings. Yeah. And so that might be something that you're realizing for yourself. But also, even like in a non-creative way, like who is the audience for your, you know, daily struggles? You know, like what friends do you call up and are they giving you what you need? Right. Are they the right audience for you? Yeah. One, I think that's also important for everyone to get a sense of where their Venus is transiting, you know, where they have Venus and Leo, because that's going to help you get a sense of maybe where in your life you need an audience, you know, Mm -hmm. where in your life you need that reconnection. Yeah. You know, where you're like, oh, shit, the plug came out. Like, I got to plug this shit back in, you know? Oh. I thought you meant like a hair plug. No. <laughs> I was like, that's oh terrifying. God. It sounds gross. Somebody just like pulled it out. No, I would not think of that. Um, so what house are you going to have this 12 to 28th degree Leo story happening in? It's my fifth and my sixth house. Oh. 
So how does that, uh, how do you prep yourself for that? It's none of your business. You're not my audience. Okay, cool. Well, I would say start there. Uh, I think. And also I am your audience. Yeah, it's so true. your first audience. I don't know what to say. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like in my sixth house, I'm obviously like recommitting to my routines and making sure that like I'm passionate about the things that I'm doing every day. But then of course it's going to spend the majority of time in my fifth house. So obviously like a lot of the creative work that I'm wanting to do, especially around this tarot musical, it feels like a really good time to just be like diving into that. Um, and probably like instead of like doing the whole writing in secrecy and silence, like probably bringing some people along on the process because I mm, need, mm-hmm. I need the audience for it to help keep me inspired around it. Yeah. I think that is a good way to look at it. What about you, boo? Well, mine is going to be in my fourth house. So it's all about home family reconnecting to my, well, reconnecting to my family, reconnecting to my place in my family. And I do think on some level, it's going to push me to have to reconnect with my past. I've been like just dancing with the idea even of just finally plugging into like an ancestry.com or something along those lines. And I really feel like now is the time to do that just to get like a deeper sense of like, what are who are the ancestors that I know of? Like, mm-hmm. can I see more pictures of them? You know, because I don't have a ton of that material just within my family. Um, so just things of that nature, I'm super curious about, and utilizing this time for that. Yeah. Um, I also really want to point out too, just the like phrasing of self love. Go on. Just because Venus in Leo is very much just a literal self-love definition. So to reconnect yourself to how you love yourself, to the ways you love yourself, and also just, I think, get very honest about, like, how much do I love myself? Yeah, and how has that influenced the like people, places, and things that I've partnered with? Exactly. Because what came up in the workshop last night was this idea and maybe using the Venus retrograde time as an experiment because a retrograde is an experiment. Like you're you're backing up. So you, have, you haven't gone forwards yet. So you can make mistakes. You can explore. Um, you can always recapitulate. Yeah. But to explore, you know, your friendships, your relationships, your partnerships, but also the things that you are giving your resources to and ask yourself, if I loved myself completely, if I was able to practice a radical self-acceptance, would I still be in relationship with these people, mm. with this project, yeah. with this thing? And if the answer is no, then maybe that is something for you to realize that, yeah, yeah. oh, like maybe I have to let some of these things go because they're just continuing to feed back to me this like lack of self-love loop. Mm, totally. That's really good. And that's connecting me to everything you were saying about an audience. And I feel like even like in entertainment, a lot of the times when you are creating something, the question you always get asked is like, well, who is it for? And I think that's a question to ask yourself in general about what it is you're doing. Like, well, who is it for? It's for me, bitch. Well, exactly. And I think 
we're trained, at least from that perspective, to name the demographic or the idea of people or what have you when ultimately, like, that's not an entirely great way to approach something. And, yeah, the answer should be, well, it's for me, bitch. (laughs) Correct. Which actually I think is like a good bridge into the nodal shift. Yeah. So let's go there. All right. So the nodes, also known as the nodes of fate, they are the lunar nodes. What are they? So just try to visualize with me. I'll try. Because astrology really is cosmic poetry. There are things happening in the sky and based on the movements of the planets, we interpret significations poetically so the lunar nodes are not planets they're places in the sky where two paths intersect the first path is the path or the orbit of the moon around the earth and then the second so just visualize that you've got the moon it goes all the way around the earth and then simultaneously while that's happening the earth is going around the sun So where those two paths intersect on the north and the south, those create the lunar nodes. Those are the nodes of fate. And they change signs about every year and a half or so. So just working with that symbolism, you've got the path of the moon around the earth, and we know that the moon is the closest body to the earth. It symbolizes our body. It symbolizes our needs. It also represents like what will manifest, right? Like the moon controls the tides. It controls how we feel on any given day, especially for those of us with lots of cancer placements. But (laughs) then you have the path of the sun. uh, But then you have the path of the earth around the sun which is a much larger and longer path. It takes 365 days. It's also something that's always there. The moon is there and then it disappears. It waxes and it wanes. But the earth and the sun have a fairly consistent relationship, even though days get shorter and days get hotter and days get colder. So what you're working with the nodes of fate is this polarity between the invisible and the visible, between what is easy and what is hard. And the gateway of the nodes is what we are all collectively being invited to work with for the period of time that the two pathways are intersecting. So it's my experience and my belief that the North Node is hard. The North Node is like the top of the mountain that you want to climb. It's not what's going to be served to you on a platter. And the South Node is like a whirlpool. It's very seductive. And it can suck you in because it's something that you actually have wherewithal around. In fact, a lot of people interpret the South Node in your birth chart as like your past life, what you come into this life already having some access around. So whatever the North Node is doing sometimes feels like quite repellent. You're like, oh, I don't want that because it's hard because it almost like flies against or flies in the face of that which I like I'm already feeling comfortable around. So if you even just think about like, where's the North Node in your chart? Like that's probably an energy that like doesn't come to you easily, but you also want it. You want to have some ownership of it. So the nodes are shifting out of North Node Taurus, South Node Scorpio, and the nodes are always in the polarities of the signs. They always travel together. They're always in a dynamic tension into Aries Libra, North Node Aries, South Node Libra. 
So what that means is because the south node is so seductive, because it is like this whirlpool that can swirl you up and swirl you in, we're going to see a lot of Libra tendencies wanting to come up and out, but we've got to combat against them. Mm -hmm. So Libra tendencies, especially when the south node is involved, is too much people pleasing, too much peacekeeping, too much projection, codependency, being nice just for the sake of not wanting to rock the boat, um, passive aggressive behavior. Uh, some people might be feeling like very um, called out right now. Uh, <laughs> and the thing is, is that high vibe Libra is, you know, like justice and balance and that's all good and beautiful and true. But sometimes what we need is our ability to be confrontational. And Aries North Node is our ability to be a leader. Aries North Node energy is about your self-reliance to validate your own decisions without anybody else having to weigh in. With Libra, there's a lot of like, well, what do you think? Is this okay? How do you see me? Do you like this outfit? Whereas Aries North Node is like, I like this outfit. I don't really care. You know. So in some ways, we have to explore a healthy relationship with selfishness so that we are not constantly diminishing what we have to offer based on an implication of somebody else's opinion that maybe isn't even explicitly said because usually Libra is not going to tell you your butt looks big in those jeans. They're just going to say something like, well, I, I think they're okay if you like them. And then all of a sudden you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> right. And then you're like, do I like these jeans? Yeah. So I think that the goal for the next, you know, year and a half is to really explore what does radical self-reliance look like? What does like unapologetic authenticity look like? Mm, yeah. What would it feel like to only use your own opinions to guide you forwards? Just for a little bit. And then the nodes will shift again. You know, this isn't like for the rest of your life. Because obviously, low vibe Aries is too much me, me, me. It's not caring about anybody else. But I think the problem is, is when you only care about other people or when you're manipulating other people to get you what you want, as opposed to just getting what you want in the first place, mm -hmm. we end up in these like really unhealthy, codependent relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I always find it helpful to look at the cycles of things, right? So we can think back to December 2004, through June of 2006, because that was the last time that the lunar nodes were in these exact same spaces. So just in like seeing that and thinking for about it for myself, that was a period of time where I had recently moved back to LA from New York mm -hmm. and made that decision, mm. got an office job. One of your great regrets. One of my only regrets. Um, but no, got a job at a, at a film studio, uh, but in marketing, uh, but still telling myself like, well, I want to be a writer. And I'd started my first writer's group with like a small group of people, um, including Justin Simeon. And that was where he started writing Dear White People, the movie which we then end up making. Um, but I also, by December or by June of 06, had left that marketing job and gotten a job in development and realized that like, oh, this is a much closer path to the one that I want to be on. I'm going to learn how to produce. I'm going to learn how to like develop movies. Um, and I started that gig in June of 06. So it was like, 
a whole time for me of really like figuring out. I think I like took a job that I felt I was supposed to take mm-hmm. and needed to take for like life or death stakes while the nodes were in Taurus Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And then in the Libra realized that like, Oh, I'm just kind of pleasing everyone else doing this job. I need to please myself. And that was kind of then like the shift for me that helped me by the end of it. Yeah. Well, that's a really good way of connecting it because Taurus Scorpio is like security versus scarcity. Right. It's like the hidden versus the apparent. And we've all been working with that, but you know, you can't work with that forever. And now it's time to blaze a trail. Mm -hmm. And I think that like our collective echo chamber of social media and being fed what we're supposed to look like and be like and think has just like reached a untenable breaking point. Mm -hmm. And I said this kind of pithily, but I I really believe it that there's something about the Aries North node that shifts us from AI to I am. Oh yeah. And really getting comfortable with the I amness of your being. Yeah. And there's a lot of imagination that's involved there. A lot of vision because Mm -hmm. Aries is a fire sign and it's the first visionary. The fire signs are visionaries. They carry the visions for us. And so it's about the vision of you in your life. And of course we need to be inspired and we need role models. But for the next year and a half, what you really need is your own inner sense of how things feel for you. Mm. What feels good for you. doesn't matter what anyone else is going to say. Do you want to look in the mirror and see pink hair? You know? Do you want to spend your time working on a horror film? You know? Even if people are like, what are you doing? You know? I kind of do. So. Oh, you're not asking me. I wasn't asking you that. But but also, maybe I am. (sighs) I dyed my hair red But also, that's part of the fun of being alive. It's like not everyone's going to approve of you. You know? And who gives a fuck? You know? Find the people that that are for you. And that's also how this partners nicely with the Venus retrograde is that the more fully you, you are, the more you can find the right audience as opposed to always watering yourself down or hemming and hawing. I think it's going to be a fun time. I think it's going to be spicy. (laughs) It's going to be a fun time. Well, it's like the summer, you know, I've uh, I've seen a lot of people categorizing as like the summer of love because it's like Venus and Leo and I'm like, okay, sure. But like, it feels more just like a summer of like self-love, self-love, bitch. The bitch included. Because you know why? Because you're a bad bitch. Yeah. And it's okay to be. Yeah. And it's okay like not to be nice all the time. I'm not saying to be mean. I'm just saying that. Yeah. Don't you dare. Just. It's okay to be honest and to not shy away from confrontation. Yep. So those are the biggest pieces. You know, the nodes, we're going to be dealing with them for a year and a half. Venus, we're dealing with her and her Leo life until October. Those are the pretty major transits that we wanted to cover. Yeah, I think uh, just of note... We do have two more Mercury retrogrades this year. We're in an Earth sign Mercury retrograde year. We already had the Mercury retrograde in Taurus earlier this year. We will have a Mercury retrograde in Virgo from uh, August 23rd through September 
15th. Um, so just keep that in mind. Anyone from 8 to 21 degrees of Virgo, wherever that is in your chart, you will experience some retrograde energy there. And we're going to have Venus and Mercury retrograde at the same time, which will be very interesting. Yeah. But actually it feels very helpful to have both For of those sure. planets moving backwards and in sextiling signs. Yeah. Feels like fertile and actually feels like grounding and like there's a container for that fire. Yeah, let's all like kind of really slow down and like remember what we're doing here and why we're doing it and what the proper steps are to get it done. And how to make it feel good in ways beyond just like an afternoon coffee that's going to make you feel badly pretty much right about now. I'm, actually, <laughs> I'm pretty much crashing. It. <laughs> I also loved the like pose you just struck. You were, you like threw your hands up in the air. You were like... Patty Lapone's going to be on stage this weekend. Oh when we my see her. goddess! We're going to go see Patty Lapone. Yeah. We're Patty Lapone gays. We love that Taurus. I lo I just love a Taurus singer. They have love the best that crunch. voices. Love that crunch. Okay, then we're also going to have uh, Mercury retrograde in Capricorn. Though it's actually going to be a Capricorn Sagittarius uh, retrograde. This will happen from December twelfth to new year's day which January is why 1st. you should do your christmas shopping early if honey, that's a thing you care about yes or your hanukkah shopping your right. holiday gifting yeah have them by by the first week of december yeah and i would even say like whatever plans you're making travel plans just try and do them as in advance as you can yeah they're gonna change i foresee like some big winter storms and travel being a disaster well ideally not but i think it's just important to like know you'll have some slowdown there. So do your best to like plan ahead. Um, but yeah, that's going to be from 22 degrees Sagittarius to 8 degrees of Capricorn. So anything you have in those spaces will also be directly affected around that time. We do have that eclipse season. I just want to mention that real briefly, just because the nodes, the lunar nodes and eclipses are very connected we get eclipses because the sun and the moon are within a certain uh, degree of the nodes. I think it's like 12 and a half degrees. And so what's interesting about this upcoming eclipse season, like the one we just had, is that they're actually straddling two different polarities. So we're going to get one more Scorpio-Taurus eclipse, and that's actually the one that's just like a couple days before Halloween. It's like a mm -hmm. big full moon Scorpio eclipse. And that actually feels like the end of the nodes in Taurus Scorpio. So even though the nodes will have moved out into Libra and Aries, I think we're not quite done with that story until we get that lunar eclipse. Yeah. And then the solar eclipse, that's in that's a new moon in Libra. And so that's also going to like really help us kind of like, I think, renegotiate our relationship with Libra energy and how to really take like that high Venusian ride. So that's actually the one other thing I want to say is that like the North Node has been in Taurus and the ruling planet of Taurus is Venus. So we've been a lot more Venusian. But when the North Node moves into Aries, it answers to Mars. And so we all become a lot more martial, which mm -hmm. is that sense of like healthy aggression, healthy action, like needing to move things forward, being willing to fight for your life, for your authenticity, for your place in your life. Yeah. We're shifting from Angel to Brandon. <laughs> Yes. But it's also a partnership because no planet exists on their own. 
Right, exactly. There'd be no Brandon without Angel. I mean, that's not true, but I see what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, I will say, I would not be the version of myself that I am without having been in a relationship with you for so long. Totally. And the safe container that you've created for me and the unconditional love that's actually allowed me to explore who I am so much more deeply than I ever have felt safe enough to do. Mm-hmm. So in some ways that is true, you know, like, I don't know, like this Brandon that sits here wouldn't exist if we had both decided to live in New York. Well, then you should take me off your regrets list. Yeah, you're not on my regrets list. <laughs> Just teasing. You know, but not buying that bunny bag was almost on my regrets list. I know. Until all of a sudden it showed up. Buying it was almost on my regrets list until Ooh, it showed up. child. All right, now it is time for the tarot card of the episode. What's it gonna be? Put um, put um. Tarot for you. Tomorrow for me. All right, babes. Let's take a moment. Let's get centered and connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. And just trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. So if it's safe to do so, close your eyes, drop down into your heart, feel the safety of being inside your body. Maybe even take a moment to connect your body to this larger body that we call planet Earth. Give yourself a little bit of grounding. Reaching in to the soil, the hard-packed dirt, the underground rivers, the crystal caves. Maybe even drawing up some of that nourishment. So the message that we need to receive is the moon, the moon. So the moon is so many things as far as the tarot is concerned. But first and foremost, the moon takes us into a strange place, a place where we are not entirely comfortable. We aren't in the warmth of the sun. We can't see things clearly. We have to go with what we feel. And the strange lunar landscape that the moon presents sometimes feels very queer, like Alice in Wonderland. And uh, you're kind of in the upside down. But that makes sense because we are shifting out of a nodal placement that we've kind of gotten comfortable in for the last year and a half. We're entering into new territory where we might not feel like we have our footing. But that's a good thing because the moon also represents queerness represents another way of doing things, not going the straight and narrow, not going the tried and true, not using the right hand, but using the left hand, walking the crooked path, finding your own unique way of doing things, even if it doesn't make sense. And the moon also connects us to our intuition. And our intuition doesn't always make sense. So until we meet again, I would encourage you to continue to lean into all of the mystery and the wonder, and to remember that just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. In fact, it's the things that we can't understand that have the most value. You can't understand the journey while you're taking it. You understand it when you look back and go, oh, that's why this had to unfold this way. But right now, just take the ride. 
and trust the things that scare you. Trust the things that surprise you. The moon is one of those moments in meditation when you're like so far out there that you don't even realize how far out you've been until you try to come back. And it's a long way to come back. But before you had the realization how far out you were, you enjoyed that experience. And so there's something about the moon too that allows us to enjoy being untethered and being unmoored. And the anxiety only comes in when we start to think about how we're going to get back. And maybe we don't need to worry about how to get back for the current moment. I also think it's really interesting that we're about to have a new moon in Cancer. Mm -hmm. And that new moon in Cancer is the same day as the nodal shift. Right. And that new moon in Cancer is a really powerful lunation. So if you're listening to this before Monday the 17th, just circle that as an important day for you to embrace the moon in its many ways. And embrace your own moon, whatever that natal moon is in your chart, deserves your love and your attention and your respect. And maybe it wants to take you somewhere pretty far out that you've never been before. And don't worry. And your spirit will find its way back. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, you may be in need of like an emotional reset. So however you can take the time to do that for you, whatever that looks like for you. For some of you, it might be a bath. For some of you, it might be a walk. For some of you, it might be a whole day of just being with yourself a whole month. But do what you can to take advantage of that cancer new moon because it really is like emotional reset energy. Thank you all so much for joining us. No, thank you for joining me. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, We're always so grateful for everyone in this community, for everyone who listens. We're so glad we can entertain you with our tomfoolery and occasional wisdom. That's what we're here for. Until next time, this has been your transit through the spiritual (laughs) game.